0: Good morning. Well, it's good to see all y'all here today. And um, as we uh, get started today, I just have a thought that I wanted to share, kind of a question here. Um, So, how many of y'all have ever gotten advice from someone who doesn't know what they're talking about? (laughs) Right, right, right. So, I just want to tell you a brief story for me that happened to me um, not long ago. I had a friend that told me, and understand, I'm not, this is not against public school. I want to start with that. (laughs) But my my family has chosen to homeschool our kids. We've actually homeschooled all of our kids all the way through. Our oldest is now in college. So homeschooling can work, and it did for us. So, and that was just a choice we made. So, and and I get it, if your choice is public school, that's fine. But I had a friend tell me recently they said, so, you know, one of the problems with public school today, or at least with, with people like you, is that, you know, you take your kids out of the public school, and therefore there's not as many Christians in the public school, and therefore that's why the schools are so bad. And now, now that could be a good argument. Nothing wrong with the argument in and of itself. The problem was this person who told me this, number one, is not a father. They don't have children. Secondly, they've never been married. So, and, and so that's just their opinion. And so when they shared it with me, I thought, well, you really don't have any experience with this. So I get your opinion and it's a valid, it could be a good argument, but, but I was just thinking, He really doesn't know what he's talking about. So it kind of bothered me a little bit. And I thought, well, you know what? I'll just let him have his opinion. I can't fix it. You know, whatever. So today's story is similar to that. However, with one distinct difference. Um, (laughs) So so Jesus is the one we're talking about. And he seemed to not know what he was talking about because he's not a fisherman, but yet he told the fishermen how to fish. And if anybody could have been questioned that moment, I'm sure the disciples which they weren't at that point, but the fishermen could have questioned that at that moment, but instead they obeyed. And, um, and in this case, it turned out he was right. So I just use that sort of as a, just an opening little start. This will be different, the opposite of that. But um, I know we always get advice from people who mean well, but may not always uh, know what they're talking about. But as we start off today in Luke chapter five, um, we, we're going to start right at the beginning of the chapter. So if you want to turn there, if you brought a Bible with you, I just wanna say too, there are lots of ways to engage in the message here each week. Um, One of the ways that I like to do it is using my phone. And again, there's nothing wrong with using your device to do it. And if you are someone who likes to take notes or likes to like follow along the message and everything, uh, using your phone or using a device, uh, instead of having to use a pen and paper, which again, either way is great. Um, There's actually an app on here called Uversion. that if you log into Uversion you can actually, um, sorry, I'm going to try to get on my phone real quick. Uh, you can actually pull up today's service. So if you log into U- U version, you can click on a place where it says events. Like if you say, let me see, if you have U version, my problem is I do this all the time, and um, to walk you through step-by-step step might be a little confusing. But I basically go to um, U version, and then if you click on the bu- button at the bottom that says more, and you scroll down, there is a button that says events. You click on events, and it will list all the churches in the area that are doing a message, and you can actually click, because just so happens that we are the closest in in vicinity to Carolina Family Church. It's right there at the top, and you can click on that, and that gives you a way to follow along the message. So I don't know how many of y'all knew that, but uh, if you want to use that, you can. That's part of what I'll use today, and I just want to tell you that. Now, there is a lot of material that we're going to be studying today, and so I would just say, if you're not in a in a group, which we always say, groups, you're going to talk more about it. You'll go a little deeper in depth. If you want to learn more or you want to understand more, we want, also want to make it that available. You do not have to be in a group. We want you to be in groups, and we definitely encourage that. But we also know that some people have schedules and other things that that conflict with the group schedules, and so they're not able to be there. So if you're not in a group, you can also study this on your own. And if you would like some help with that, we can make study guides available. If that's something you're interested in, feel free to contact me either after the service or sometime this week and say, hey, can you give me some more study tools or help with this? Um, I'm happy to do that. There's, there's lots of ways to study. You can actually, with that Bible app, the YouVersion app, you can um, find different Bible studies on the book of Luke. You can also... Um, Go online to a place called blueletterbible.org, and that helps you study. Um, You also can read Bible dictionaries, Bible commentaries, and a lot of those nowadays you can even find online. So there's a lot of ways to go deeper in your study. So we're going to go quickly through what happens here, and I'm going to reference several things. One of the things that I like to do is talk about parallel passages. Now, if that's a a strange phrase to you, I just want to explain what that means. A parallel passage in the Bible is whenever you read one passage that you also can find something else similar in another passage. A lot of times, even the same story, the same, um, same examples given. So like for, like for today, when we're talking about the Gospel of Luke, um, there are lots of parallel passages with Luke because you got Matthew, you got Mark, and you also have John that I'll tell some similar stories about different events that happened. So I will refer to several of those today. So when I say parallel passages, you'll understand what I mean, because there are several parallel passages that coincide with our passage today in Luke. But let's start right there at the beginning of Luke. Um, Again, beginning in verse 1 of chapter 5. Just want to read this first part to you. Um, And it just says this. So it was... As the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord." For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. Now, several things happen in there. And let let me just go back to the beginning. First of all, I want to point out, it talks about the Lake of Gennesaret. Um, This is another very distinct thing that we're going to see, especially with Luke and the way he writes. Um, he refers to a lot of things by a different name than some of the other writers. Uh, in, in fact, the Lake of Gennesaret, you might have heard called the Sea of Tiberias. That's another name. That one's probably not going to be as popular or as common as the other name, which is the Sea of Galilee. So that one's probably even more popular and, or more well-known. And so there's several names that it's called, but I just point that out. He does that with the lake. Um, also, you'll notice that the very first person that it, it mentions in the passage That Jesus is talking to is Simon. Well, that's another one where we're like, all right, who is Simon? Well, first of all, later on in that same passage, it says Simon Peter, gives us another hint as to who he is. Um, Other uh, translations, other ways of saying his name, he might have been, might have gone by Simeon, um, you know, and then it was shortened to Simon, kind of like Jonathan shortened to John. Um, You know, there's lots of ways to like get the name. So anyway, it is Simon, it is Peter we're talking about. This is all Peter. That may be the name that you know him as. And you'll find that again as we talk. uh, There's another character in the story as we read the next, next passage that also the name is different in Luke than it is in others. And part of the reason for that is because Luke had a Hellenistic or a Greek audience. And so a lot of times he would refer to the things that they would relate to more than necessarily the Jewish audience might have related to. So names will be different, things like that. Just again, point that out. As a little caveat. So the first thing to note here is, again, uh, they get in the boat, and like I s- shared in my story earlier, Jesus said, hey, you haven't caught anything all night. Just throw your nets over there. You're going to catch something. And Peter's like, look, we've done this all night. And, uh, and, and I, I could imagine that if I were Peter, I would probably think, you're not a fisherman. How do you know how to catch fish? You know, it's daylight. It's not the best time. You know, I'm sure he could have come up with many reasons not to obey. But for some reason, Peter chose to be obe- obedient immediately, He didn't say, all right, we're not doing that. You're just off your rocker, whatever. I mean, he, he didn't like argue with him. He just obeyed. And so when I read that, my first thought is, well, this must not be Peter's first time seeing Jesus at work or at least knowing who he is. And so I think, again, when we see stuff like this, we should always question, well, where else does Peter interact with Jesus? Or maybe where's the first interaction that Peter had with Jesus? So we better understand. And fortunately, we can find it in the book of John. So, if you, again, if you want to turn to the book of John, just a brief passage talks about the very first encounter that Peter has with Jesus. It's John 1, beginning in verse 35. And I'm going to be jumping around a lot, so I apologize in advance, but uh, but you'll follow along the best you can. So, in John 1, 35, it says, again, the next day, sorry, got to get back to it on my phone. Technology is fun. Again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples and looking At Jesus, as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. Now, this is the day after Jesus was baptized. And so he says, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned, and seeing them following, said to them, What do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which is to say when translated, Teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now, now, it was about the 10th hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Now, when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. And again, Peter is also the Greek for that, and so... You, and later on, we read in Bible, the Bible that he says, on this rock, we will build my church. And so Peter is known for that. And so, so again, the first time, at least from what we understand with scripture, the first time that Peter met Jesus, his brother Andrew was the one that introduced them. And the interesting thing here that really kind of caught my eyes, I was reading this and thinking about this this week. That means that, did you know that one of Jesus' disciples, Andrew, before he became Jesus' disciple, he was a disciple of John the Baptist. He followed him first. And then that's how he found out who Jesus was and decided to follow him. I don't know why, but, and that may not mean much to you, but I'm like, that's an interesting fact that I never would have really thought about. And you know what? I'm almost 50 and I never realized that detail. So sometimes there's details in scriptures that you can find if you just kind of like look at it and say, oh, what, what is there to learn? So there we find out that Peter's first encounter was then, and he, what was Peter told? He was told that this was the Messiah so Peter knew or had heard stories, read, whatever, that there was a Messiah coming. He may not have known or understood everything, but he recognized that that word Messiah was had a very significant meaning. And again, we're going to deal with a few more words related to that one uh, as we go. Also, another incident that probably happened prior to this, because Luke talks about it in chapter four. So one of the things about Luke is he says, I, I have endeavored to present a very Orderly account of what's happened. So he went back and he interviewed people and he tried to find out what happened. And, and the orderly makes me think he tried to do it in order, right? Um, like uh, this happened first, then this happened next, and then, you know, so on and so forth. And so I believe, according to Luke in chapter four, this event happened prior to Jesus calling the disciples to follow him. And so that's an important detail. Um, the other gospels don't say that. And so that's where he may deviate a little bit from like Matthew and, and Mark. Because if you read them as if they're in chronological order, they may not always make sense if you compare them to one another. And this is where Luke deviates. And he says in chapter 4, beginning in verse 38, um, which according to the order was just the day, the evening before uh, Jesus got in the boat with Peter and went out and then told them to drop everything and follow him. But it says in uh, 438, it says, now he arose from the synagogue and entered Simon's house. But Simon's wife's mother was sick with a high fever, and they made a request of him concerning her. So he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she arose and served them. So again, it just says in Luke that the day before, he had gone into Simon Peter's home, and he had healed Simon Peter's mother-in-law. So again, Peter saw Jesus do something miraculous just the day before. So whenever Jesus said, hey, let down the nets, of course he's going to obey because Jesus proved to him that he knows what he's talking about or he knows how to do things that don't make sense to the rest of us. But again, that's part of why he obeyed. And one other detail, again, this comes back to looking at parallel passages that I think is important to recognize is in Mark chapter one, verses 29 through 31, the other fishermen were there too. Uh, Just a very brief, uh, I'm not going to, belabor this point but it wasn't just that simon peter and maybe andrew were there it's that all of them were there so if you look at mark chapter 1 verse 29 it says now as soon again this is a parallel passage of what happened with the mother-in-law now as soon as they had come out of the synagogue they entered the house of simon and andrew with james and john so all four of the fishermen were there But Simon's wife's mother lay sick with a fever and they told him about her at once. So he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up and immediately the fever left her and she served him, served them, sorry. And so again, just as we continue to read or study the the ways that the different uh, gospel accounts interact, you you understand that not only had Peter seen that miracle, but all four of the fishermen that day that Jesus called had seen that miracle the prior night before. And so knowing that, we can sort of understand a little bit of why they would obey when he said, hey, come follow me. Now I'm going to make you fishers of men. So um, all of that's a little background just to, just to um, help you understand a little bit of what's going on. Now, looking back at uh, Luke 5, 1 through 11, notice a few details from this account. Um, one of the first things is that Peter, Peter's reference to Jesus, his very first Point of calling him is the word master. In verse five, it says that he said to him, master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. And so his first thing is that he said, master. Now that would have again meant something to a Greek audience, more so than a Jewish audience. Um, very similar to um, uh, whoever's in charge, whoever th- has the authority. So it again, is a sign of respect that Peter. Demonstrates even at the very first word in his response to Jesus when he says that. And I love the very next line that he says to him. He says, nevertheless, at your word, we're going to let this down. We're going to follow. We're going to do what you tell us to do, at your word. Um, this is another really cool thing that I like to like look at in Scripture. Just, it's a detail. But do you remember another time whenever someone said, at your word, I'm going to be obedient or I'm going to do what you said? Anybody? Mary, and that was also in the Gospel of Luke. So I, I I don't think that's a coincidence. I think that was very intentional writing on Luke's part to point out that these people were surrendering to what someone else told them, even though it was very challenging or very confusing or maybe even like, really, you want me to do that? You know. So, but they responded with, "At your word," and I just love that. That that's such a response of faith. And just immediate, just submission and obedience to what the other person is asking you to do. And so then Peter lets down the net, as Jesus says, and we we know the rest of the story. We just read it. And and it's interesting, again, notice the next thing that Peter says to Jesus in response. uh, This is really, really a big deal. He says in verse 8, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, "'Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord.'" That seems like a very strange response to what he just saw. But he called him Lord. That was his statement, Lord. So earlier he called him Master. Um, We know that uh, Andrew in his meeting of the two of them called him the Messiah. So Messiah, Master, and now Lord. And um, there are basically um, three things I want you to remember from the message today, and I'm going to go over them in just a second. But, But one other example here, just like Mary said at your word, There was someone else who acknowledged who Jesus was earlier in the book of Luke. And he said that he was unworthy to untie or loose Jesus' sandals. Who was that person? John the Baptist. Again, and and we just heard about that uh, a couple of weeks ago. He said he was unworthy. He wasn't able to uh, do that or he shouldn't be allowed to do that. And again, it's just that acknowledgement of who Jesus is. And over and over and over in the book of Luke, you're just going to see this acknowledgement of who he is and the authority and the power that he holds. And it's just such a, just testimony. So the first word that I want you to remember from today's lesson is that word, Lord. And it's a key word. And the reason why I want you to remember that, because at the end, I'm gonna kind of give you a summary of, of all the points that I'm gonna make. And the Lord is the very first thing I want you to remind yourself. Jesus is Lord. And and again, that may mean different things to, to us, but he has the authority. He is the master. He's the one that is worthy of our praise, our obedience. You know, we talk about it every, every, every week. We sing about it. We just sang about how he is worthy of that praise. And we just need to remind ourselves, he is the Lord. And so I just want, want to point that out. He is the Lord. And so remember that word. And so th- what, what happens next? After the huge haul of fish, they left everything and followed Jesus. Now, that seems a little odd to me. If you were, um, if you, let's say you're doing your job you're doing your very best job, and all of a sudden, that day, you have the very best experience at your job that you've ever had. And, and I'm not saying, maybe they had had an experience like that before. Maybe they had a good day. But that day, they hauled in such a, a huge amount of fish that to be like, man, I want to do this some more. Hey, Jesus, can you uh, help us out? You become a fisherman. Help us out. You know, maybe that might have been the way that, that we in our human nature would have responded. But instead, it says, because they saw of who he was, they just said, you know what? I think we need to go after this guy. We need to do what he's doing. Um, and so they left everything. And And I, I just always picture that as being, well, I'm sorry, I'm a very, uh, one, one thing that really bothers me is irresponsibility. So... Uh, <laughs> I think it'd be really irresponsible to you just haul in all that fish and just left it on the beach and just walked away. I don't know why, but that really bothers me. Um, probably the way I was raised or things I've learned through my life, but but that really bothers me. And my kids can attest to you. That's probably one of the big things I get onto them for is when they leave things laying around or don't pick up after themselves or whatever. And so that 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 just seems like a very strange thing to me. But because of who it was, they knew they needed to leave it all and they needed to follow him. So. And, and the next section of this passage today that we're going to talk about, we're going to kind of skip over some verses to also talk about how Jesus called another disciple. Um, that's the same response that he did, that he left everything to follow Jesus. And so read with me, if you would, back to Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 27. And we're just going to read a couple of, a couple of verses here. But Luke five twenty-seven and 28, we read that um, this story... Where after these things, it says, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. So he left all, rose up, and followed him. Now, again, we don't have as much background on this incident. However, we know that Levi was a tax collector. And again, we read about this same character. Again, there's parallel passages in Mark and uh, Matthew that deal with this very same calling. And that's where we learn a few other details about this. For for one, uh, Levi is also called Matthew. That's another name for him. So we know him more as Matthew. That's probably the more common name. And so in Matthew 9 nine through 13, it talks about this. In Mark 2, 13 through 17, it talks about this. It basically chronicles this same event of where he's called to follow Jesus and then kind of what happens next. But notice too... Uh, Tax collectors. We don't know what was going on with Levi. I, I think, here's, here's what I think. I don't think he had quite the experience with Jesus that the other disciples at this point had had. I don't think he saw Jesus working miracles. Maybe, maybe he had. We, we don't really know those details. But what I do believe is I don't think he was very happy with the life that he lived. Um, that would be my, at least my guess, just based on how quickly he left it all to follow Jesus. And, you know, tax collectors weren't very well-liked people in their time. You know, the problem was that uh, with tax collectors, number one, who did they work for? The Rome, they worked for Rome. They didn't work for their own people. They worked for the Romans to tax their own people. And so they weren't well-liked for that reason. And because they worked for Rome, they taxed their own people um, They already were not liked. And then the next thing about it was that a lot of times um, they would bid for the contract. And so the higher they bid, the better chance that Rome would say, yeah, you'll be the tax collector for this region or this area. And so a lot of times they would up their price in order to get that bid um, received. And then, of course, once they upped that price, they would also have to make money on the side. And sometimes they would skim off the top or they would steal from the people that were, they would rewrite how much they owe and then collect more than they were owed. So again, tax collectors were not well liked. They were not thought to be the most honest um, people and they were thought to be criminals and thieves themselves. And as you will see by the Pharisees response in a minute, they thought they were they were thieves and criminals. So, um, so but for whatever reason, Levi or Matthew left everything and followed Jesus. Now, one distinct difference in him leaving versus the fishermen, um, when he left, he was not going to get his job back. Um, that's not a job that they're going to be like, oh, yeah, you quit on us. Well, we'll, we'll take you back. Come on. You know, I don't, I don't know if you've ever done that. You quit a job. You know, a lot of times they're not, they're not willing to give you a second chance uh, in some jobs. And this is the kind of job they would not let him do again. Whereas the fishermen, they go back to it later as we read in John and, and other Gospels. Uh, we see that they do return to fishing at some point. But, um, but with Levi, it's in a more complete... Um, abandoning of his post and what he did. So the second key word that I want you to see for today, and again, this is all about the calling of the disciples. So the second key word is the word follow. And so again, I want you to remember the word Lord, and I want you to remember the word follow. And follow is a very unique word. Um, it's one that Luke uses a lot in his gospel. And it's one that, that we are going to uh, understand or hopefully understand a little bit better as we talk about it. So it's a, very, it's a very technical term for discipleship. It means to follow the Lord. It means to, um, to do what the other person is telling or asking you to do. And since they all acknowledged that he was the Lord, they were willing to follow him. And, and I just want to kind of bring that practical application home to all of us. So following Jesus is different than accepting him as your Lord and Savior. Amen. You can accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior today. And then choose to live your life any way you want to. I hate to say it like that, but that, that is true. You can do that. But following Jesus is a day-by-day, moment-by-moment choice that we make as disciples of him. And that's something that I think is very important for us to get. Because um, if I live my life in the way that I want to live it and ignore what Jesus has taught me and what, how he... That I'm not going to have a very fulfilled life in Christ. I'm definitely not going to be living the way that God calls me to live. And, and I don't think I will learn or grow in my faith and my relationship with the Lord if I don't choose to follow him. And that is a choice that we all need to make. So I just point that out because, um, and we'll talk about it a little bit more um, as we end the sermon today, but, but that's a very distinct difference. And, and no matter where you are in the world, there's a lot of people that will say, um, I'm a believer in Christ, or I'm, I'm a follower of Christ, or... Just remember that word follow is a choice that you have to make. Um, It is, it is, there's no, um, there's, there's no way I can say I follow Jesus if I don't do what he tells me to do. If I don't read his word and apply it to my life, if I don't live it out. Um, And so I just, again, I know that that may seem like a very basic point, but I hope that you'll really think about that. What does it mean to follow him? Because that's something that's really important for all of us is that we follow him and do what he tells us to do. Okay, so in continuing this passage, notice what happens next. So Luke chapter five, back there, verse 29 through 32. um, It says, Then Levi gave him a great feast in his own house. And there were a great number of tax collectors and others who sat down with them. So he heard about Jesus. He invited all these tax collectors to come. And their scribes and the Pharisees complained against his disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered and said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And, you know, again, this idea of following, and, and then Jesus goes further in this passage to say, you know, I'm not, I'm not wanting people to follow me if they're not sick. That, that that's sort of a summary of what, what, what I just read in a sense. And it's very interesting how he uses this sort of metaphor. And, um, you know, he's like, only if you're sick do you need a doctor. And, and so it, it seems a little confusing. It may even seem like, well, that, that doesn't make sense to what we're talking about, Jesus. Well, why did you bring that up? So I really like, again, another aspect of studying the Bible or understanding Scripture. Sometimes it's helpful to get, like, different translations and read what they say. And I know there's so many different translations. And if you're like, I don't know where to start, you know, there's so many to read. Um, but, but I like, uh, sometimes if you're like, here's what I would just recommend. If you're struggling to understand scripture or you're like, I, I get it, but this language just doesn't make sense to me. It, it's confusing. I would recommend that you maybe uh, choose a different translation because there are lots of translations out there. There are some that make it easier to understand. There's definitely lots of English translations. Um, two really good ones that I believe sort of dumb it down a little bit or make it a little easier to understand are like the NIV and the nlt so that 's new international version and then the New Living translation Now both of those are they're they 're called a phrase for phrase translation so in other words, they really try to focus on the phrases and they 're easier to understand and because of that, I think sometimes you can glean some insight from them that you may not get from the other other uh, more literal translations, which New King James Version is a more literal translation. Um, so, but if you have more questions about that, glad to help give you some ideas or some thoughts. Um, I, I tell people often, you know, if you're not understanding scripture, maybe you're trying to read the wrong <laughs> translation and that's why you're struggling. But um, but there are lots of options. So the next thing to think about here uh, is just I want to read a different translation of this very, of a couple of these verses, verse 31 and 32, in the New Living Translation, just to see how it says it a little bit different so that maybe we can understand it a little more clearly. So, uh, if you, and it'll be on the screen. I I imagine none of you, unless you have a U version app, can switch it to New Living Translation pretty quick, which may take a moment. Um, (laughs) And the internet signal's not always great in here. So, but uh, it will be on the screen. But the New Living Translation says, Beginning in verse, in 531, says it this way. It says, Jesus answered them, Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. That tracks pretty well with what we've already read. The next verse is the one that really stands out to me. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. And I just love the way that he lays that out. Because... That's how he really points out Pharisees. Here's the issue. You think you're righteous, and so therefore you think you don't need me. But these people here, they know they're sinners. They know they are not in the right state of mind or in the right place where they need to be. And so therefore they know they need me. And that's who I've come to call. I've come to call people who know they need me. And so the last word I want you to just remember for today, first word was Lord. Second word was Um, what was the second word? Follow. Good. See, you're following. Good job. Good job. And then the third word was, is sinners. And, and you know, this, this word gets a bad rep in our society today. A lot of people don't like the word sinners. A lot of people don't want to be told that they're a sinner. Um, and and I get it. I I get it. it. It sounds very condemning. It sounds very judgmental. Um, and it can definitely be very off putting if someone were to say that to you, well, you're a sinner and you need to repent. And, you know, obviously it's older language of, of what we talk about when it comes to Christ. But here's, here's what I, the reason why I chose this word or why I think this word is so important is because we are sinners. And and I just wanted to t- point this out right now. I don't care how long you've been following the Lord. You could be following the Lord all your life, 50 years, 70 years, 80 years. I haven't been that long. I know that. So I'm not old enough anyway. But, but I will say um, I've been 30 years, close to 30 years, I think, that I've been following the Lord there's always a temptation to think, well, I know this. I know what I need. I I know what I've done. I'm I'm good. I'm good. I've I've, I've arrived, right? But I believe no matter where we are, how long we've been doing it, we're always still a sinner. We always still struggle with sin. The Bible tells us that in other passages. We're never going to fully be free of sin until we make it to heaven one day. And so we have to recognize we are sinners and we don't need to diminish that thought. We don't need to forget that thought, thought because here's what I believe happens. When I forget that I'm a sinner, it's easy for me to be judgmental of those who, who don't know they're sinners. It's easy for me to put them down or think less of them because they, they aren't acting like me, like I have it all together, right? Um, <laughs> and so I think it's very important that you remind yourself you are still a sinner. No matter where you are in your walk, in your journey, in your, in your um, discipleship of the Lord, you are still a sinner. And that word sinners is exactly what Jesus came to save. And and again, another verse in Luke, and, and I'm going to kind of jump forward on this one, but Luke 19.10 says this, for the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And so he has come to seek and to save that which is lost. That's such a key concept in Luke. Jesus is here he emphasizes that he wants to forgive sinners. He, he has good news for sinners because they, he knows and recognizes they are lost and he is here to seek and to save those people who recognize that. And so Jesus wants a relationship with the outcast. He wants a relationship with the downtrodden, the forgotten, the unworthy. Uh, he wants a relationship with you. Over and over, you will see this theme emerge as we study the book of Luke. Um, no matter where you are, what you've done, you're not beyond the reach of what Jesus came and did. He loves you where you are, and he died in order to have a relationship with you. And he wants, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter, you know, I've, I've had people tell me, there's no way God could forgive me for what I've done. And I'm always like, yes, there is a way. Jesus did that on the cross. He already has chosen To die for your sins. You just have to believe it. You have to accept that He did that for you. And and again, yes, recognize that you need to change. We all need to change. And we need to be uh, in progress, in process of becoming more and more like Jesus. So I just want to ask you do you know that you're sick today? Do you know that you need what Jesus has to offer? Or are you like the Pharisees believing that you're fine? Maybe, maybe you think you're good enough. Well, at least I'm not like so-and-so down the road and how they treat their family. Or I'm not like this person over here and how they spend their time on the weekends. Um, you, you know, it's easy to look at other people and compare ourselves and say, well, I'm not as bad off as they are. But Jesus didn't come for those other people he came for you. I, and he did come for those other people. So don't miss <laughs> I guess that sounded bad. But you don't need to worry about what he's trying to do with those other people. You need to worry about you because that's who he's focused on. That's who he wants to save. And yes, if anything, maybe he wants to save you so you can tell those other people. So you can help those other people. But but the point is, um, do you see that for yourself that you're sick and that you need his help? And, and, and another example from this passage today that we saw is, both Peter and then James, John, Andrew, all of them left everything to follow Jesus. And then Levi, Matthew, he left everything to follow Jesus. Are you willing to just leave everything to follow Jesus like they did? Um, and, and, and again, it's not that he's maybe necessar- not necessarily calling you to quit your job to follow Jesus, but he is calling you to quit something in your life to follow him. And, and, and again, I don't know where you are in your journey. I'm not trying to make a judgment call here or, or, or anything, but I know that all of us have to quit something to follow Jesus. And I say that for myself. I know, and when I say quit, it's not like a am doing something really bad that I have to quit. It's just I have to quit being selfish. I have to quit looking down my nose at other people. I have to quit choosing to do something that I know is dishonoring to God versus doing the things that honor God. That's what we all have to quit. We have to choose every day, how to follow him, and so the bottom line for the message today, just as a, I'm just just wanting you to understand, is that, and we're going to put those three words together, and it's not going to be pretty. But here you go: sinners follow Lord. Now, those English people out there, that's going to make you really nervous, right? Um, so, you, if you if it helps to say sinners follow the Lord, that's fine. But but we do if we truly recognize our need. We will follow the Lord. And that's exactly what happens over and over in the book of Luke. And we'll see it in in future uh, messages. You will see that there are lots of people who recognize who they are and they follow the Lord. I love Peter's um, just faith that shines in this passage. You know, a lot of times we read about Peter. It's not very positive about how he is or how impetuous he is or how bullheaded he is. But um, I love how this one just says how he just acknowledged who Jesus was. And like him, we need to do the same. And so we need to recognize that Jesus is the Lord. We need to choose to follow him daily while acknowledging that we need him because we are sinners. And those who know they are sinners are the most responsive to Jesus. Maybe we should pray more for people to realize their need for Jesus and how important that is that they get their life right with him. So our mission as a church is to know God, find hope, live free, and do good. We don't know God if we don't acknowledge and recognize that he is the Lord. He's the master, not us. And we can't find hope if we put our faith and trust in ourselves or others and not in the one who came and died on the cross for our sins. We can't live free unless we acknowledge that we are sick and we need Jesus, the great physician, to heal us. And he heals us when we confess our sins and ask him to help us change. Then, once we accept his forgiveness, we should also respond, as Peter did, and humbly acknowledge ourselves. Sorry, and hum, humble ourselves by acknowledging that he is worthy of our love and obedience, and then choose daily to follow him. And we can't do good unless we realize that as a sinner, we are no better than those around us. And we need to seek to love and serve them just like Jesus loved and served us with his sacrifice. And again, I I think a lot of people in this room could probably say, I've been following the Lord for a long time. Don't forget where you came from. Don't get so stuck in who you are in your walk with Christ that you forget that there are people that still don't know and still need you to tell them. They still need you to model for them. They still need you to love them because they're still so stuck where they are that they're not going to get out unless you do that. Let's pray together. Lord, we just come to you today and we thank you that you are who you said you are. You are the Lord. You are the master. You are the one that is worthy of our praise and our adoration. And Lord, so often it's so easy to get stuck where we are and to forget how amazing you are. So I just pray, Lord, that as as we just think about this message today. I just pray that someone out out here today maybe just can apply part of what this says and that they maybe today they just need to recognize that they are still a sinner and they still struggle. And, and again, maybe they haven't leaned on you for the help that they, only you can provide. And so Lord, if that's the case, I just pray that, that you help them to acknowledge that today help them to surrender once again today to recognize i'm a sinner and i need you lord please forgive me please save me please work in my life and my heart to help me to be a better follower of jesus or maybe there's people out here today that just know they uh they're not following like they should they're, There's sins in their lives that they still let take control or win uh on a daily maybe on a weekly basis so lord i just pray that you help them just to recognize their need to surrender that to you. And again, just choose and recognize that it's a moment by moment choice to truly be obedient and to follow you like you call us to. And Lord, we're all going to stumble, we're all going to fall, but but Lord, you're always there to lift us back up and to help us. Help us to trust in you. Help us to seek to follow you. uh, Help us, Lord, to just acknowledge how amazing it is to be your follower. And Lord, if there's someone out here today that doesn't even know you as Lord, I pray that today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that they admit that they're a sinner, that they need your help and that they choose to follow you. And Lord, again, we just wanna worship you. We wanna acknowledge how amazing you are. And as we close our service today, we just ask you, Lord, just to help us just to remember uh, that we need to follow. We need to love and serve you because Lord, you truly are worthy. You deserve it all. In your name I pray, amen.